Hey guys, welcome back to Unpopular. I'm back. I'm a little bit late. I usually try to release episodes at the same time all the time and I hate like messing up my routine, but I just like couldn't get in the groove last week. And I'm like, you know what? I just want a fucking break from this podcasting shit for a minute. So I like didn't check my uh, podcast Instagram for a few days and didn't think about podcasting. And now I'm back. You know what a lot of it was? Was because... I said that I was going to do a deep dive on Diddy and Cassie, and then everyone was, like, really wanting that, and everyone's like, yes, yes, we want, like, the Diddy deep dive, and I'm like, I'm going to do it, because I was a Cassie fan from back in the day, and then, like, you know, I started researching it, and then I was, like, kind of over it, you know, just, it kept my attention for, you know, a week, and then I was over it, but then I felt the pressure of, like, oh, well, now I've announced that I'm doing this whole, like, Diddy-Cassie thing, so I guess I have to do it. So then I felt the pressure of that. And then it just made me like not want a podcast. And then I'm like, I'm not even doing the podcast. And then, I, and then I'm like, not only am I not doing the podcast, I'm not even checking the Instagram. Like, I don't even want to like read anything about podcasting. I'm just like, I ran the opposite direction to avoid having to talk about Diddy and Cassie. So we'll see how I go today. You know, usually when I do a deep dive, I do want to get a lot of the facts and like really get into things and like exhaustively you know, turn over every fucking rock. And we're not going to do that. I'm just going to like talk about what I did. And then if naturally Diddy and Cassie comes to me, we'll talk about Diddy and Cassie. But if it doesn't, then we're not talking about it. You know, I'm an artist, okay? I just need to like feel things creatively or I can't do it. Um, And we have a lot of other stuff to talk about anyway, because I saw Christina Aguilera perform in Melbourne last weekend and she was amazing. We are standing Christina Aguilera again. I know she hasn't had a hit in 10,000 years, but uh, we love her. But let me just tell you about like the whole trip, how I got there, because obviously it was a nightmare because I just don't do well with travel. Like I'm just not good with changes to the routine, traveling anywhere, getting out of my comfort zone. Like I can't do it at all. I've been watching Squid Game, The Challenge, I'm kind of like, God, you know, I should, like, go on this. Like, why didn't I apply for this last time? But I'm like, maybe I just couldn't be bothered because I don't want to sleep in the bunk bed with people snoring. Like, they were talking about it on the show. There's people snoring in there. And I'm like, I don't know if I could deal with that. I would rather do the real squid game where you get killed than the fake squid game where I have to sleep with people snoring. So, I don't know. Well, The jury's out on if I'm going to apply for squid game season two. But- I'm very bad with travel, and I just like to cancel things all the time. And I kind of almost wanted to cancel Christina Aguilera because, like, I didn't want to, like, get on a train and go there. But I'm like, whatever. We're going. It's Christina Aguilera. She's an icon from your childhood. You'll regret it if you don't go and see her. My friend had a ticket and was, like, bringing me so I didn't have to pay for it. So I'm like, let's go. And... I rocked up to the train station and I was hoping it wouldn't be too crowded that I'll get my own space because the train between my town and Melbourne, it is a nice train ride provided that like no one's there, you know, that you're not around people. Okay. So I'm hoping for the best. I get there. My ticket says that I'm meant to be in carriage F. So I'm like, okay, where's carriage F? I see carriage A, B and C, no D, no E and no F. I'm like, what's going on? Am I misunderstanding the ticket, like, even though it says carriage F, is it meant to be, like, seat F? Are the carriages marked differently inside? Trying to figure it out. 
Then the intercom comes on at the station and they go, passengers to Melbourne, we only have three carriages today instead of the designated six. So if you're in carriage D, E or F, you have to catch a bus and there's one waiting for you right now. Girl, I was so ready to just be like, that's it. I'm not saying Christina Aguilera, but like, again, I'm going with my friend. We already had plans. Like, it wasn't just me. If this was me on a solo trip, as soon as they said you have to catch the bus, I just would have got a taxi and gone home. Like, there's no fucking way. But I go to line up for the bus and look, we all know what kind of people catch the bus. Let's be real. It is either for bogans or poor pensioners that have been hung out to dry by the government and like, you know... The pension's not high enough. They can't have the heater on in winter, so they have to wrap up in blankets. And, like, we love the pensioners, and they're quiet, so it's fine. Like, more for the... Well, the one thing I will say about the pensioners, and one of them did do this on this bus trip, is they don't put their phones on silent, so they let it ring extremely loudly. And then, because the cognitive skills have declined a little bit and they're not, like, technologically advanced... They don't answer it swiftly. Like, they rummage around and then they, like, squint and they try to remember where the button is to, like, press answer. So, that did happen on the trip and it, like, stayed with me. And I was like, oh, my God, like, put it on silent and answer it quickly. Oh, yeah, and then they had a FaceTime call, which I didn't know pensioners knew how to FaceTime. But, yeah, of course they did a a FaceTime call, but there's no AirPods, there's no headphones. It's on loudspeaker, which was outrageous. But... Look, the pensioners get a pass, it's fine, but the junkies and the riffraff and the bogans, no, we do not give them a pass. They're disgusting. And, of course, they're on the bus because they go everywhere via the bus. So, I'm in line, like, waiting to get on. Of course, they see this fucking full-blown, like, toothless, like, literally like an ice junkie waiting to get on. And then I also saw, like, a Buddhist monk in the full orange robes and everything, and I'm like, okay... The plan is get on the bus, sit near the monk, obviously not near the crackhead. So I get on the bus. The bus is really old. Like, this is not a new bus. It's actually disgusting. It's rickety. It's run down. It doesn't have charger ports in the seats, which luckily I brought my own portable charger because even though they have chargers in the seats on the train, which I thought I would be on the fucking train, I come prepared. Like, I just make sure that I have everything that I need because you never know. Like, sometimes the charger in the seats doesn't work and then I don't want to be left without power and just have to, like, sit there in silence and sometimes people might be making weird, like, chewing noises or whatever that I have to drown out. So, I'm, like, very prepared. So, I have my charging bank and I'm like, okay, cool. But this bus is so old that it doesn't even have, um, like, the mesh holding things in the back of the seat to, like, put my items. So, I actually had to balance this cold bottle of water. Like, I quickly ran and grabbed a bottle of water from the vending machine before I got on the bus because I knew that it wasn't going to have, like, there's no canteen to buy food. Like, there's no- there's nothing on a bus. It's It's hell. So, I bought a bottle of water. It comes out cold from the vending machine, but then there's nowhere to put it. So, I have to sit it on my lap. And then, obviously, there's, like, condensation And it's just, like, very cold and uncomfortable. And then you leave it, like, sitting on, like, one part of your thigh. And then, like, it makes it too cold where it's uncomfortable. So then you have to, like, shift it to the other thing. And then when that it gets too cold on there, you have to, like, move it back. So it's a constant battle with the fucking bottle of water until then my body heat naturally warmed it up. And then it's not as refreshing to drink. So it's, like, honestly, like, it's just one thing after the other. And then it starts raining on the bus. And the bus is leaking, like... 
the rain's coming through the roof. Luckily, not on me. I mean, I'm surprised that it didn't go on me because it just would be so like me for it to... Oh my God, is this recording properly? Yes, it is. Okay. I just see like the waves. Like when you're recording, you see this little, like the sound waves and they looked like too high. I'm like, am I shrieking and I'm not realizing it? I don't know, girl. Anyway, um, the fucking rain is coming through the bus, which is crazy. And it was dripping on this other guy. So he moved. And then um, fast forward when I get my luggage, of course, it's wet because all the rain's gone into the luggage compartment. So like my jeans and everything for the concert are wet, which is so disgusting because it's not even like... It's not like they got wet just directly from the wet rainwater. It's like the rainwater that's traveled through the, um, you know, like through the fucking nooks and crannies of this old bus. So then it's going to be like dirty, polluted water. So it's just feral. Like I didn't sign up for that. I don't understand why we don't have better travel. Like, it's, I don't know. It's just crazy because you watch the Jetsons. But, you know, when I was a kid, the Jetsons was on. But obviously, the Jetsons was from before my time. I think it's from, that's from like the 60s or something, right? But when they envision the future, people are like flying around and like it's just way more comfortable and stuff. And then here I am in 2023 in Australia, like a civilized Western country. Again, it's not like third world. And I'm catching a bus with my things getting wet because it rained you know what i mean like the bus can't even protect you from rain like it's just crazy um so i sit near the buddhist monk and then he puts these huge headphones on and reclined his seat back which i was shocked and was playing um on his phone because i'm behind him so i could see it he had facebook on his phone i didn't even know that monks were allowed to like be around things like that. I didn't know that they could have headphones and be listening to music and be on like social media and stuff. So that was shocking. But for him to put his seat back, which is so rude, this isn't a long haul international flight. And as soon as he goes down, he puts the seat back in my space. And it's like, I thought Buddhists were all about like peace. And then you would invade my space like that. Like, honestly, he's not a good Buddhist because you're on Facebook and you're reclining your seat. And it's just not the peaceful way of life that I would associate with Buddhists, like Buddhism. Like, that was just shocking to me. Um, they should not have reclining seats anywhere, like on any public transport. It's disgusting. Maybe on like a designated disabled area. So, if you are differently abled, you can go in like a certain area where you can recline and everything. But for everyone else, like you don't need to be reclining the seat back. On long haul international flights, it should be. Um, like controlled, like mechanic, not mechanically, whatever, like, like electronically. So the stewardess can choose when the seat goes back or not. So it should be kind of like you have a designated sleeping time on the flight of like, okay, when we get to hour six of this or hour eight of this 20 hour flight, we're all going to like sleep for two hours. So the lights are going to go off and then the seats will all automatically recline at the same time. So everyone's seat will go back and we're all equal and then when it's time to like you know eat food again and stuff because they say that they go oh when the food's out don't recline your seat during eating time people will still have their seat reclined and then the person behind them is trying to eat and the fucking chair is back like it's just so outrageous how people behave so yeah we do need like the stewardesses and stuff to be controlled like because you can't be trusted to 
recline your seat at the right time. Like, you're just going to, like, send it flying back the whole time, taking up the person's space behind you. It's just, like, disgusting. And even Buddhist monks are doing this. Like, this isn't just bogans and riffraffs. Like, if a Buddhist monk can't abide by, like, peaceful rules of society and, like, caring about other space, like, nobody can. So, that was just disgusting. And I was just thinking about, like, I never recline my seat, like, ever. Like, I'm just so mindful of everyone, and no one's mindful of me. Um, This young guy sat next to me, and he was fine, actually. He was, like, this cute African guy, and he was good-looking, and he didn't, like, talk, which was really good, and he just... He had headphones on, but they must have been, like, noise cancellation. Because, you know, sometimes people have the headphones, but then you can still hear the music coming out of it. Like, I couldn't hear anything, so that was good. And then he just was, like, on his phone the whole time or, like, falling asleep. So, I'm like, thank God, because, you know, public transport, you're always thinking, okay, who's going to sit next to me? Is it going to be the crackhead? Is it going to be the obese fatty that's taking up, like, their chair and then, like, half of mine and probably smells bad because they haven't washed under their fucking fat folds is it going to be someone who wants to talk to me like someone old like that's the worst like people that actually want to have a conversation with you it's like girl i don't know you i'm getting off the bus in like an hour i don't need your life story and there was a drunk woman a couple of seats behind me she was next to this indian guy she would not shut the fuck up the whole time it was not only annoying but very inappropriate and the airport's noise cancellation it actually doesn't block it out unless you have music up loud but i had an audiobook playing so even though I can't hear exactly what the woman's saying like I can hear the murmuring and then I'm like well I can't listen to my audiobook now because I just keep hearing the murmuring of the back and forth of whatever like banal crap you're talking about so I'm like eavesdropping on them for a while because it just I couldn't handle the audiobook with them talking and I'm like let me hear what this bitch is saying And she was so inappropriate and rude. Like, at first, it's just boring stuff, right, about, I don't know, like, the history of the town that they're going through or I can't even remember, like, how many kids does someone have? And then she's, like, asking this guy, like, I think she was hitting on him. She's asking this Indian guy about if his wife's menopausal yet and he's been married for 18 years, right? And she's like, oh, 18 years, so your wife must be, like, around in her 40s and when I went through menopause I change into a completely different person and then she's like going on and on she's like you're not going to recognize your wife when she goes through menopause like you won't believe it like she'll be like a completely different person she's going on and on about this and this guy was so like he'd been humoring her for the whole trip and then at this point he just like stopped responding to her because it's like Girl, this isn't some, like, Aussie bogan that you're talking about. Like, this is some, like, Indian guy that has, like, their cultural background. They don't just talk to strangers about their wife's menopause. Like, it's completely different culture. Like, have some decorum. Like, not everyone is a loud Aussie bogan with, like, no boundaries and wants to just shout and scream about menopause on the bus. Like, how disgusting, honestly, to even bring that up to someone. Like... I don't even know how brown people and immigrants deal with white Australians on a day-to-day basis. Like, it's so gross if that's what they have to deal with. And then people will be like, assimilate with our culture or get out of the country. Like, assimilate to what? Asking strangers on the bus about their wife's menopause? Like, 
just feral and disgusting behaviour. I eventually made it to Melbourne in one piece. I got ripped off at a Korean joint on a bibimbap. Like, they put a 12.5% surcharge for the weekend. And the place, one, it wasn't even nice. It had terrible service. And yes, it was a weekend, but, like, it wasn't even busy. So it's like, well, what is this, like, weekend surcharge acting like? Oh, my God, you know, it's so busy on the weekend. and Everyone just wants to eat here and we have to put a surcharge. It's like, no, like, barely anyone's in here. The service is shit. Like, you didn't even know how to, like, put my cutlery down properly. Like, you know how sometimes they'll be awkward instead of just, like, taking charge of, like, putting down, you know, the chopsticks or, like, your drink or whatever. They're, like, awkwardly waiting for you to, like, tell them where they should put it. Like, it was stuff like that. And then she came over to take this um, hot sauce away from me, which I didn't use. But... Like, I had my headphones on, and then, like, she's coming over and, like, interrupting me to see if I'm, like, finished with the sauce so she can take it. And it's like, just leave me alone. Like, what am I paying this fucking surcharge for? So, anyway, I went um, to Christina with my friend, and I didn't feel like... I was excited to see Christina, but I just visually, I didn't, didn't feel that hot. Like, I kind of felt fat. I hadn't bought any new clothes. I didn't like my hair. And Melbourne's pretty stylish. Like, people do know how to dress there. They definitely dress better than other places in Australia. I think because it's, like, more cultural and, like, more of an art scene there. And they also have, like, a lot more European immigration, like a lot of Italians and stuff. So, they just overall have better style and are more fashion conscious. And I... I felt like a bogan. Like, I just felt like I just didn't have a look together. And I kind of didn't care that much until I got to the concert and then I saw everyone, like, dressed up. And then I got into the VIP area with all the celebrities and, like, the local government officials. So... There were two VIPs. Um, There was one that you could buy a ticket to get into. And then there's, like, the extra VIP, which, like, you have to be a celebrity or whatever to get in there. And, of course, I was in the good VIP. Don't mean to brag. But, you know, I do work in media and I do get to get in these places. And my friend that I was with was, like, very connected with the event organizers. So, we're in the VIP, which, by the way, it was not like Nicole Kidman was in there. It was very Z-list. But I get in there and, like, I didn't know anybody because Melbourne is just not my scene. Like, I lived in Sydney for so long. So, whenever I'm out in Sydney, I either see people that I know from TV shows, you know, like the Married at First Sight crew, people like that that I know, or it'll be other journalists and PR that I've either worked with before or whatever. So, it's always someone that I know in Sydney. In Melbourne, I don't know anybody, and it's a whole different scene there. So, the people that were there, if you're not in Australia, you won't know who any of these people are. But if you're Australian listening, it was Matt Agnew from The Bachelor. It was Brooke Blurton from, she was from um, Bachelor and then she was The Bachelorette and she's done like other stuff. She was on The Challenge and she's like an Indigenous activist and she's actually really nice. Like she's super like woke and progressive about, you know, like race issues and she's always like going on and she has like this very, um, PC podcast, but she's actually very, very nice. And she was, she's really pretty and she looked great in person. And she was nice when I said hello to her. There was also Joel Creasy, who's like a comedian. He's actually hosting the Housewives of Sydney reunion. And he was there with his boyfriend. His boyfriend is so hot. And I've always had a crush on his boyfriend. And of course, his boyfriend looked amazing because he's a model. And there was me feeling like fat and ugly. So I didn't even bother saying hello to them. And then, um, There was this guy there. His name's like Khan Ong, and he's this MasterChef star. 
and he goes to everything. He's a huge fame whore. And, like, he was definitely circling the drain for a few years after he was on, like, MasterChef the first time and just trying to get out there. And now he's, like, come back for, like, MasterChef All-Stars and things like that. And now he's actually, like, built quite a profile for himself. And now I think he has, like, multiple cooking shows and he's doing, like, very well. But he's this, like, over-the-top gay guy and he's really annoying. And he thought that I was checking him out because he's friends with my friend that I went with. And I was actually, honestly, like, I was just, like, staring into space. Like, I wasn't looking at anything. But I guess I was, like, looking at his outfit because he had, like, a really outrageous outfit on. But, like, I wasn't checking him out. I just was, like, zoned out in there. And then he's like, oh, my God, like this isn't for you. Like, like, I don't know. He tried to like make a scene. Like I was like looking at him and I just, I didn't really even like react. I'm just like, like, okay, girl, sure. I'm looking at you. Like get a life, please. Um, also that Khan and Matt Agnew, they're good friends, but they tried to do this thing for a while where they were like pretending to be dating, I guess, to get publicity. Cause Khan Ong's such a fame whore. So, They were, like, trying to act like they were a couple. And then when I saw them both at Christina Aguilera, I was thinking, oh, like, are they there as a couple? But then Khan was, like, telling my friend about, I know, some guy he was hooking up. So, I was like, okay, this whole thing was fake. And they're literally just friends. And then they were, like, staging paparazzi photos of themselves at the beach. Like, oh, is Matt Agnew the Bachelor gay? And it's like, these people will, like, just do anything for attention. Matt Agnew's nice, though, by the way, so I'm not shading him. It's probably, I'm sure Khan Ong put him up to it, but whatever. Um, so, what made it really awkward in there was, like, I didn't want anybody to know that I work at the Daily Mail. So, even though I'm kind of, like, higher on the food chain than a lot of the people there, the Daily Mail is, like, controversial in Australia, and because it is a small media scene here... I didn't want to get, like, judged or have one of the people being like, wow, the Daily Mail wrote this story about me. And it's like, girl, I don't write every story on the fucking Daily Mail. So it has nothing to do with me. But I just didn't want to, like, deal with that. And then also the friend that I was with, she's in the public eye. And I just didn't want them to think, like, oh, God, she, of course she showed up with someone from the Daily Mail. Is that why she gets in the Daily Mail? Even though, like heaps of people write about her. It's not just me. And she just got featured in, she had like a big feature in one of the big newspapers here, like literally yesterday. But I just knew that automatically because she was with someone from Daily Mail, people would make that connection. And then it might be embarrassing for her, like that they would think that, oh, you know, here she is like with the Daily Mail. So I didn't want anyone to know where I was from, but I can't lie. So I just didn't make conversation with anybody because I didn't want to get in a position where I had to like avoid what I do or whatever. So it honestly made me feel so fucking awkward because I knew that I was coming off as socially awkward, which obviously makes it worse because then I'm in my head like, oh my God, I look like... I. And because people didn't know where I was from, but I was in the VIP area, it's like I almost looked like a fucking make-a-wish kid that, had, you know, my friend who's in the public eye... Like, she had, like, brought me as her, you know, like, sad little, like, plus one. Like, oh, look, he gets to be in the VIP with the rest of us. When it's like, girl, I'm, like, one of you, too. Like, <laughs> it was so awkward. Um, And I didn't want to let loose and dance around the VIP either. I actually would have felt more comfortable out with the masses, I think. Because I do like to let loose a bit at a concert and, like, get into it and dance around and, like, you know, have fun. And, you know, I am, like, a music person. So, I would have liked that. And it was raining that night. So, when I got into the VIP, like, at first I was, like, really happy. Like, haha, suckers. Like, I'm in the catered VIP with, you know, hors d'oeuvres and 
the booze is on tap and you know it's all free and you're all you're all out there like getting rained on but then like as the night went on i'm like oh my god it's so much more fun to be like down there like dancing in the rain like singing to christina aguilera than in the fucking vip with khan ong so that was just like whatever but i did actually still have a great time it sounds like it was negative but no honestly i mean i had a great time with my friend and then christina was amazing and it was very nostalgic for me to see her because i was like obsessed with her stripped album when i was like 14 or 15 it was my favorite cd and i think people think of Christina is such a has-been now, which obviously she is. She's, like, done and dusted. She's yesterday's news. But, like, she is, like, a pop legend. And for those 10 years that she was very successful, she really made her mark. And then you kind of forget because we're used to her being a flop. Like, even when I was telling people that I was going to see her, they're like, God, when was Christina's last hit? Like, people could, like, people could barely remember who she is. But then you get to the concert and... There were so many people there all dressed up in, like, you know, the dirty outfits. And then when Christina was, like, doing her hits, people, like, lost their shit. People were going off whenever she did her hits. And, like, she was very charismatic on stage and, like, really cute. And, like, the concert was killer. Her voice was amazing. And you just kind of remember, like, all these people, like, are superstars like even though they may not have done anything for like the last 10 years like this is a real fucking star so it was just like super fun she killed it like she's legitimately talented and obviously she has that you know big soulful voice and she was able to rearrange a lot of the songs to be rockier and she elevated them beyond just sort of the bubblegum pop production like it kind of felt like if you just took somebody that's a fan of music but not necessarily a fan of pop music or doesn't like Christina Aguilera, like, they would still enjoy themselves. Like, if you, like, took your parents that would think really, like, Christina Aguilera, like, they would enjoy it. Like, it was that good. Like, you feel like you're watching someone that's actually talented. You're like, oh, okay, like... I actually watched, like, an artist instead of just watching, like, a pop star. The set list was good. She did have, like, a few B-sides in there that I knew, but... Unless you're, like, a pop gay, like, you're not going to know, like, the B-sides. And I'm like, she really should have just cut that and maybe put some, like, cover songs that everybody knows. And it was funny seeing which songs the audience related to because I'm never in sync with, like, the local, you know taste of the Australian public when it comes to music. So she performed one of her Latin singles, which I love because she did like a Spanish album. She's done two Spanish albums, but she did one like last year that I really liked with like reggaeton and like everything. And I couldn't believe that she had that on her set list. I thought she would have cut that for Australia and she sang one of the songs from it. And I, that was like the only time that I actually was kind of like loosening up and like really getting into it. And I was like, yes, bitch. And like, no one else cared. No one knew what she was doing. Like it was basically dead silent and no one in australia knows what like latin music is or that like or reggaeton like nothing like people in australia like they wouldn't even know who bad bunny is who's like the most streamed artist in the world for like the last three years or something like if you mention bad bunny they might be like oh my god like is that that guy with kendall jenner like they don't know they wouldn't even know what latin music is so that like just didn't work for the people except me um but then they lost their shit when she did her like moves like jagger verse that went off and then 
she has some tacky Pitbull song that I didn't really know, but I guess it was like a hit in Australia because I feel like like Pitbull and like Flow Rider, like all of those <laughs> artists do like really well in Australia. So people loved whatever her Pitbull song was. And then like Lady Marmalade, like that, people will, I mean, I'm surprised people weren't carried out on a stretcher when she Lady Marmalade. Like people like really lost it for that. But she, yeah, she was so good. Like I know she has a Vegas residency now, so I recommend y'all go and see it. Have you guys noticed how Christina's had like a huge makeover kind of like in the last year? Because I feel like she spent years being really overweight and having like very cringy style. And then, like, maybe just, like, the last year or two, she suddenly got, like, skinny again. I'm sure she must be on, like, Ozempic or she's doing something. I don't think that it's just working out just for the fact that she struggled with her weight for so long up and down that to now suddenly just be, like, way skinnier for an extended period of time, I do think that it's probably Ozempic. But she's got a stylist as well, and she has this, like, very specific aesthetic now with the platinum blonde hair and, like, a lot of... Really chic, but still, like, edgy black outfits. And she looks so good. I love her Instagram. You know who else has done that? Nelly Furtado. In, like, the last six months or a year, probably last six months, Nelly Furtado just came back out of nowhere and she looks fucking fantastic. She did, like, a Skims ad, and she's doing all these, like, staged paparazzi photos and all of these really great Instagram photos, and she just looks fucking hot. And, like, the makeup, the hair, the outfits, and it's, like, really obvious that, like, Nelly Furtado and Christina Aguilera, at some point, they've met with, like, a brand strategist that's put together a whole aesthetic for them and like, okay, we're going to be doing this many Instagram posts a week and we want to really get you out there more with fashion and we want to be getting you like the paparazzi seeing you and just really give you like a, you know, aesthetic so people are into it again and like it works because they both look fucking amazing. But Christina, as good as she looks, she is selling lubricant now. She has a lube line, which is sad. I was uh, doing a Patreon episode over the weekend. By the way, my Patreon, all my Housewives recaps on there. Um, What else? A lot of stuff. A lot of freestyle stuff on there. But a lot of Bravo and a lot of Housewives all on the Patreon and stuff about my personal life sometimes. And I was talking about how Erica Jane on Patreon had, like, she should have gone down the sex toy route and all of this stuff. But she didn't. And she's, like, aiming higher, whereas Christina Aguilera's like, no, I'm going to do the lube line. And I'm like, "Mm." I just, it's just crazy that you can go from being, like, one of the biggest artists to being irrelevant and selling lube. I think she fell out with NBC on The Voice, too, because she had, like, a really successful run on The Voice. And if you guys remember, she was the first big name to do one of those talent shows. Like, now everyone does them. Like, Ariana Grande, Miley Cyrus, Kelly Clarkson. Um, I can't even think. I think, like, every single pop star at this point, Mariah Carey, Nicki Minaj has done, like, American Idol or The Voice or, you know, Got Talent or whatever. Nobody was doing that before Christina Aguilera. Like, before Christina Aguilera, it was, you know, the Paula Abduls and the people that were really past their prime. And then Christina had just flopped with the Bionic album and Burlesque. So, she was in a flop era, but it was kind of like she had a really good run of being, like, an A-lister. This was her first big flop. And then she jumped right into The Voice. And I remember when she signed on for that, like, because I was covering pop music and stuff at the time, I was like oh my God, she's doing like 
a talent show now and it's like not even idol because that was like the first season of the voice like no one had heard of it and like the chair spins around i'm like what a disaster and then obviously it came out it was like the highest ratings and christina like brought that show so much credibility and i know that she got paid so fucking much like i think she was getting like 15 million a season but she fell out with nbc eventually when she left because i think she was a diva backstage and i think she hated being part of a manufactured singing contest because like christina really thinks of herself as like i'm a real artist and a real singer and i'm not manufactured i mean even though she was like when she came onto the scene but she thinks she's above all of that so anyway um yeah she was doing the voice and now she hasn't been on the voice in years i think she made the bulk of her fortune on that but she's not doing anything anymore and do you remember her bionic backlash by the way we should talk about that okay that album was so bad so when i was still a music blogger christina had been out of the out of the scene for a bit so she did that back to basics album with like Candyman and all of the jazz but you know i'm a jazz singer now and like it did pretty well but i think people were sort of feeling like okay she did the jazz record but let's get back to some you know like top top tier like pop hits like no more jazz like do the pop thing and she's teasing this album for ages she'd had a bit of a hiatus she was all like you know i'm gonna bring a new sound that's never been done before i'm working with all of these underground edgy indie artists and it's just gonna be like nothing you've ever heard before and this was when lady gaga just came on the scene lady gaga obviously the biggest artist of her generation lady gaga was the biggest artist since britney spears So she's huge. And then when Christina was like preparing to come out with Bionic, which was like a more dance direction, um, the media really pitted her against Lady Gaga. And Perez Hilton was behind a lot of that. And Perez Hilton has actually come out now and come clean about it all. And he was like, yeah, like I helped get Lady Gaga famous on my blog, which I believe that he did. Obviously, he's not solely responsible for her fame, but yes, he helped her a lot. And he would tear down all of these other artists that were her competition, like Natalia Kills and Christina Aguilera. And I don't think that Gaga was sitting there specifically scheming with him to, like, ruin this person, ruin that person. But I think he went and did it, and I think they both probably enjoyed it and were like, haha, look what I wrote about this person. You know what I mean? Like they were somewhat in cahoots for sure in those early days. And Christina was a really big victim of that. And Perez was a big part in kind of ruining her career. But like, you know, things aren't that black and white because Christina was coming off really pretentious at that time as well. And The thing with Christina was she was used to being the token talented pop star. It was like, you know, she came up with Britney Spears and Mandy Moore and Jessica Simpson. It was like, oh, those people aren't real artists. But Christina, look at, you know, she can sing. She's like the the new Aretha Franklin and she's like really credible. And then listen to Stripped. Like Britney could never make an album like Stripped. And she was so used to being like the token talented one that came out of that whole bubblegum era. And then suddenly Lady Gaga comes on the scene who was like three times as talented as you are. Like not only can Lady Gaga sing, she's a better songwriter. She's like a musician. Her performances are like out of this world. Like, sorry, I love Christina, but you're not Gaga. And then, you know, Gaga comes out and everyone pits them against each other and Gaga of course wins because Christina at that point is like old news she's already sort of on the decline anyway 
and Gaga has the fame monster, and Christina has Bionic, which sucked. And people try to like the the pop, the gay pop community try to do this whole thing of like Bionic's actually like a slept on like masterpiece, and we're critically reevaluating it. And like the hate that Christina got was unfair. The hate she did get was unfair because I remember at the time, I think I piled on too because that was during my music blogging days. Like, I don't know if anyone remembers this, but honestly, the backlash Christina got at that time, it was so out of this world, over the top, really over nothing. It was like, okay, she was a bit pretentious and like Lady Gaga is like better than her now, but like she did not warrant like the level of hate that she got. But People really tried to come out and be like, no, Bionic was actually slept on. It's like, no, it wasn't. Like, it was really outdated. Um, It was really try-hard. The only songs on it that even hold up, sort of, is, like, some of the ballads in R&B, because those genres are more timeless. But, like, she did all these poppier songs with, like, M.I.A. and, like, Santa Gold and Peaches and Latiga and, like, people like that. And it's essentially like she went on Pitchfork in 2009, scrolled through Pitchfork of whoever was just, like, getting a lot of coverage at the time, and then made, like, crappy Z100 versions of those songs. Like, they didn't even sound like Christina Aguilera songs because they were so closely copied and pasted from the original artist and then, like, watered down, like... That album's just not good. And the lead single, Not Myself Tonight, is fucking horrible. And I, I don't know who let her release that. I don't know if that was all her, like, putting her foot down, going, this is going to be my single. But whoever was managing her, like, failed her because it's so dated and cheap and, like, trashy. And it's, like, kind of fun as, like, a camp. I don't know. Like, if you're, like, a pop fan and, like, a gay, like, some fucking gay guy that just likes, like, shitty pop music, like, yeah, it's, like, fun, but it's, like... When you're at that level as a pop star, you're not just, you're not fucking Kim Petras where you're just making music for a bunch of like, you know, prep gays. Like it's supposed to be music that like everyone in the world can listen to and can be on the radio. And it was it was like a cheap gay dance song. And the video was horrible. It was just like porn, but like done very cheaply. And I think she thought she was being very provocative and shocking. Like, I'm going to do like the raunchiest video ever, just like I did with Dirty. And it's like, no, this is just actually really embarrassing and like way behind the times. Like no one's doing this vibe anymore. Like, yes, Dirty was iconic. Dirty was a moment when you did that. I remember going to school when I was like 13 and like the Dirty video dropped and I was like, I wasn't gay at that point. I remember, well, I was gay, but like, I remember telling some of the other boys, like, ah, guys, like, have you seen this new Xtina video? Like, Jesus Christ. And, like, that was, like, a talking point, whereas Not Myself Tonight was like, what the fuck is she doing? This is embarrassing. And then after that, she did another album called Lotus, which was pretty bad as well. It was, like, really cobbled together because at that point she was on The Voice. The Voice was like an unexpected hit. So the record label was like, oh, fuck, okay, well, maybe Christina Aguilera is not done with, so let's just like throw an album together and try and cash in on her on The Voice. And I remember when she released that, I remember being shocked that like she was fat during the album cycle. Like I was just couldn't believe that she was promoting an album without losing weight because – 
you know, the usual cycle of a pop star is like, yeah, when they're not on like touring mode and stuff, they might let themselves go. But then when it's time for the album to drop, you come back all snatched and amazing. Like I'm a Janet Jackson fan. If you know the history of Janet Jackson, she would put on weight between every album. And then when it was time for the album to drop, she would have like the full on like ripped six pack and like the midriff tops and like dancing her ass off. So I'm very used to like a Janet thing. And then watching Christina just put on weight during Lotus and, like, not give a fuck. I was shocked. But, like, she pulled it off, honestly. Like, I remember I did think, like, I wasn't looking at her like, oh, my God, this fat pig. Like, I just remember being surprised that she did that. But I was like, okay, like, she's, like, pulling it off. Like, she's owning it. Like, she – it was very body positivity. Body body positive. But I think in, like, a way that – like, really worked. Like, she just seemed very unapologetic and, like, comfortable in her own skin. And by the way, by today's standards, like, she wasn't even that big. She was... She got a little bigger towards the end. There's a Billboard Music Awards performance, I think it is, where she is... She's packed it on a bit there. But overall, like, she wasn't that bad, especially by today's standards. Now we have, like, Sam Smith with his big gut in, like, women's lingerie, and, like, Lizzo and all these other people, and it's, like, not a thing but just back then it was like shocking like if you go back and look at jessica simpson when she got shamed for the mum jeans when they were like she looks fat in jeans look at those pictures again she's literally like skinny like <laughs> like she's like skinny as fuck i don't know how that became a whole thing like that was like that was such a big scandal jessica simpson in the fat jeans that she did a whole reality show back in the day on vh1 called the price of beauty where It was her going to, like, Thailand and, like, you know, India to, like, explore beauty standards across the world. That show must have cost a lot of money to make. And that was all because of the shaming of her mum jeans. And then you look at her in the mum jeans and, like, she, (laughs) like, looks fucking skinny. And, like, even Megan Trainor, you know, she came out, her whole gimmick, like, she was a fat pop star. She was, like, one of the first fat pop stars, but... You know, that was her thing. It was like, yeah, I am fat. Like, my song's all about that I am fat and I love my curves. And then you go and watch all about that bass video now and you're like, um, she's not even fat. She just looks like a normal person. But anyway, like, for Christina Aguilera to kind of ha- look a little bit like Megan Trainor-ish, like, it was, like, it just was very surprising at the time that, like, what's going on with Christina? Like, does she not care? Like, I don't know. But she worked it and... um. The lead single off that album, even though the album's bad, she did this song called Your Body, which is actually one of her best songs and best music videos. And she looks am- she looks amazing in the video. Like, honestly, like, it's like a career high for her, but it just flopped because, like, no one cared about her at that point anymore. Like, it was just over for her. And the song was produced by Britney's producer, Max Martin. And... I remember at the time, like, Christina, because she is so pretentious and thinks that she's a real artist. Like, by the way, we're not getting to Cassie and Didi. There's no way. It's, this is just a Christina episode. But um, <laughs> I just looked at the, the recording time. This is the Christina special, the Christina Power Hour. But, like, Christina was so self-conscious that she had to work with Max Martin. And, like, obviously her label told her to they were like girl like you need a fucking hit we're putting you with max martin so then in like all of her press interviews for it she was so self-conscious it would be like well you know i'm just stepping into max's world but for me to be comfortable to do you know a max martin song it has to be all about the vocals and the singing and 
just, you know, um, female empowerment in the lyrics. So, you know, I'm really like bringing him into my world with my singing. And, you know, it's just like a fun little thing that's just very different for me. And he really respects me as an artist. Like she was just so embarrassed to be doing it. She didn't even promote the song. And it's like, well, no wonder it flopped. And like, if she had just embraced top 40 producers more instead of being like, I'm doing a jazz album. Now I'm doing, um, I'm working with MIA to do like a shitty, like pitchfork light album. Like if she had just been like, look, I'm just going to do all these Max Martin songs, but like sing my ass off. Like she would have had hits for so much longer than she did. But yeah, she's over as an artist. Like she did a span the Spanish album that I really loved. It didn't even chart. Like, it came out last year. It didn't even make the top 200. I was like, okay. And then she did an album called Liberation in 2018, which wasn't very good. But she had a song on that album that Kanye West did called Accelerate, which is so good. But you kind of need Galaxy Brain to really understand that song. Like, Accelerate, Christina Aguilera, Accelerate featuring Kanye West. That is for higher caliber taste only. Like, if you get it, you get it. If you don't, you don't. And I remember when I first heard that song, I was... Just sho- I was as shocked as I was when I saw her fat for the Lotus era. And I was like, how did Washed Up Christina get a song that's this next level when she's a has-been and they gave her this edgy-ass fucking slick song and then it flopped because she just didn't have the cultural cachet to be able to sell it. Like, you need Rihanna. Like, you needed Rihanna to do Accelerate, then it would have been a hit. And that was kind of the same time, actually, as... Um, four or five seconds. Do you remember that song? Rihanna, Kanye West, and Paul McCartney, which is so random, but that song was like a mega hit because it was Rihanna. If Christina Aguilera had done four or five seconds with Kanye and Paul McCartney, it would have flopped. But like sometimes it's just all about like, can the star sell this like left of center song to the masses? And Rihanna could have sold Accelerate, but Christina could not. So here is my advice and prediction for what Christina should do to salvage what's left of her career. First of all, she needs to keep up the Vegas residencies. That's a smart move. She needs to get back on TV. I think she burned bridges with The Voice because things was just difficult. And she was like, I am too good to do a manufactured singing show. And she was probably just really rubbed in the wrong way. So I don't think they're going to have her back, which is a shame. Although, you know what? It was years ago that she fell out. Maybe she can kiss The Voice's ass and get back on. I would try and kiss their butt and see if The Voice will have me back on, okay? Like, Katy Perry is smart. Like, Katy Perry keeps that American Idol gig going. That's what Christina Aguilera should have been doing. And, like, she needs to get back on a show. She's not fun enough for Masked Singer because I think... I don't watch Masked Singer, but, like, I see clips. It's so annoying when they're doing, like, little... Like, they're trying to be funny. Who's the um Asian guy? Ken... Ken something... I don't know, and then um, Jenny McCarthy, and they're all screaming, and, like, whoever's behind the mask, it's always some flop. Like, it'll be, I was going to say, okay, Monica's not a flop, right? Like, Monica is, like, one of the best R&B singers from the 90s, but it'll be, like, Monica, but then they're going, ah, hmm, I think it's uh, Mariah Carey. I think it's Billie Eilish. It's like, girl, like, Billie Eilish is not going to do the masked singer. It's for, like has beans it's for like melody thornton from like the pussycat dolls or like um what's the guy from the vh1 what's the guy from the brady bunch that did my fair brady with the one from america's next top model you know like it's for people like that like billy eilish and lana del rey are not going to be on the masked singer 
Like, it's these, like, has-been people, but then the the judges have to, like, guess all these A-listers. It's so stupid. But anyway, I don't think Christina Aguilera has the personality for that. She takes herself too seriously. So, like, maybe she can do, I don't know, America's Got Talent. She needs to do something. And then musically, okay, this is what she needs to do. She needs to do ballads and soul music only, okay? She has the voice. No one cares about it. Again, the only people that care about her doing, like, poppy songs is a niche of pop gays that listen to any pop diva song. That is not enough to sustain a career. Ask fucking Kim Petras, okay? Like, you need to get out there and get songs to the masses. You can't just be doing gay pop shit. So... She needs to do, like, a covers album of soul classics, like Christina Aguilera Sings the Blues, something like that, okay? And then if she does do original music, which I don't really think she should, but if she does, it should literally just be, like, Adele stuff. Like, just go work with Adele's producers and whatever songs Adele turned down for her last album, record Adele's stuff, do another Christmas album, do another Latin album, like, do all the little, like, niche lanes because you are not viable as a mainstream top 40 star anymore. So just quit trying and then just be a big star in like small lanes. I'm telling you, she has the name recognition and the voice. Use the voice, do the covers albums. A covers album will save Christina's career. Okay, I hope you guys don't hate me for doing a whole episode about riding the bus and then Christina Aguilera. Let's let's finish this out, okay? I'm almost at an hour. What do I want to wrap up? Should I talk about Cassie? I kind of wanted to give you my thoughts on Tate McRae. I mean, can I give them concisely? Girl, Tate McRae sucks. They're pushing her. I do. Okay, I think Tate McRae is the next big pop girl, honestly. More for the fact that um, when I shaded her on Twitter and... Instagram, like, people were, like, really, like, people were messaging, no, she's the best, like, she's incredible, and I was like, oh, okay, so Tate McRae is basically doing a Christina Aguilera dirty image, she's, like, a TikTok person, she can't sing, she has one of these voices that all of the new singers have now, where they try to add all of this, like, character to their voice, like, they've been, like, chain-smoking and... They've just escaped a rape dungeon, and it's like they over-enunciate everything. It's just the worst, and they all do the same ballads that all sound the same. And Tate McRae, I think, was like, she was doing all the typical, like, TikTok music. I think she tried to do some, like, Olivia Rodrigo stuff for a while, and now she's blown up because she's obviously got some image consultant in, maybe the same image consultant that's working with Nelly Furtado and Christina Aguilera, and they have branded her as, like, a throwback to the Britneys and Christinas of the early 2000s. So she has this song called Greedy, and then she has another song that's horrible. Um, And she has no star quality, in my opinion. Her dancing is cheesy. She literally looks to me like a Pussycat Dolls filler member, like not even Nicole Scherzinger level. Like she's like the Melody Thornton or the um, Ashley or Carmeet or whatever of the Pussycat Dolls, and I hate the style of choreography that shows everyone's like, oh my god, she's like dancing! Look, I'm very specific with the dancing that I like. I like K-pop dancing, or I like 
Michael Jackson, Janet Jackson, Britney Spears type dancing. I do not like Robin Anton, Mikey Minden. Yes, bitch. Yes. Yes. Flick that hair. Pop that pause. Like, I mean, I love Erica Jane, but no, I'm not into the like, pop the pause, like fling the hair around. Like, I just think it's so fucking cheesy. And I think Tate McRae's embarrassing. I hated her SNL performance. Literally, she's she's not even PCD, actually. That's a compliment. She's girlicious. Do you know what girlicious is? After the Pussycat Dolls became famous, Robin Anton did a follow-up um, reality show. Well, they actually did a reality show that people forget, but... Um, they did a reality show to find the next Pussycat doll, and then they found this girl called Asia something, and then she joined the Pussycat dolls, and then literally, like, two days later, she, like, quit, and she's like, actually, I just want to be, like, solo, and then the Pussycat dolls just, like, they just continued on with it. So it was like, okay, so we did this whole show for nothing, and then the show actually was a hit. So they did a follow-up, and it was like, the Pussycat dolls search for Girlicious, and it was Robin Anton, the trashy creator of the Pussycat dolls, who wanted to make her follow-up. So she made a group called Girlicious, which was like just a way sluttier, cheaper version of the Pussycat Dolls with, like, worse music. And in their first music video, which was called Stupid Shit, they were dressed in, like, slutty, like, literally, like, Brazzers porn schoolgirl outfits and, like, twerking and, like, flinging their hair around, like, literally what Tate McRae's doing now. And then their second single, which was called Like Me, they were dancing around in a boxing ring trying to be Christina Aguilera in Dirty, and that's what Tate McRae is. So I do think that Tate McRae is the next big thing just because when she performed on SNL, which was horrible, but, like, people were, like, like all the gays were, like, losing their shit over her. And then if you did criticize her, like, people were, like, really taking up for her. And I just think that then, even though I hate her, if you can inspire that kind of reaction from people that they're, like, so going to the mat for you, I'm like, okay, I feel like maybe she's becoming a big thing. And she's had, like, two hits now. But I just, she just doesn't do it for me. Um, You know, Cassie and Diddy, let's talk about it for a minute. I've been getting into, I'm going to wrap up on Cassie and Diddy. That's been the thread of this whole podcast is, is, am I going to talk about Cassie and Diddy? I did do a little bit of a deep dive. I was listening to all of the interviews. Um, I think he's guilty of what he did to Cassie, 100%. I don't think that he killed Biggie and Tupac. I did look into that. I don't think he was behind that. Because now what's happened, right, is... We're all going down the rabbit holes on him, and now we're thinking, okay, was Diddy the mastermind that killed all of these different people, including Biggie and Tupac, and then covered it up? And these have actually been... I didn't realize this, and usually I am kind of into hip-hop stuff, so I don't know how I didn't know any of this, but this has been talked about in the hip-hop community for many years, that Diddy has long been a suspect behind the murder of uh, Tupac and even Biggie, that not that he pulled the trigger, but that he ordered the hits... And all of this stuff. I don't think that he did that. There's also this other theory that he killed all of these people that were involved in his first record label, Uptown, I think it was called Uptown Records, and that they were all writing like tell-all books about him at the time and that they were going to expose him and expose how he's gay. He's definitely bisexual, by the way. He's not gay. He's bisexual. I've looked into that 100%. And actually someone, one of my listeners kind of confirmed it to me. They were like, yeah, I partied with him and 
He's definitely not straight, but I mean, he's he's clearly not gay if he's like having sex with Cassie and abusing her for ten years. So he is bisexual. Um, do I think he could have killed people? Possibly. Uh, the the big rumor is that he killed his ex wife Kim Porter. <laughs> A lot of people think this because this this woman Jaguar Wright. I'm actually not. I can't remember what she is, if she's a songwriter, if she's an artist that was on Bad Boy, but she's gone viral because she did this interview where she's, like, listing all the people connected to Diddy that have died mysteriously, and it is pretty sus, but she also kind of comes off like a crackhead in the interview, like, pretty deranged, and when I saw that interview, I thought, you know what? I think Diddy did do this, and I think that the reason that they never came after Diddy or Aubrey O'Day, and sorry, the reason Diddy never came after Jaguar Wright or Aubrey O'Day, Aubrey O'Day has also been outspoken on him, is because they're not reliable witnesses, because people don't take them seriously, right? With Aubrey O'Day, we know that she's just a fame whore, she's an attention seeker, she's kind of crazy. Now she's, you know, doing anal on OnlyFans and I subscribe to her OnlyFans because it's free and then you have to pay to, so I don't like, I don't pay to unlock the X-rated content, but I see the descriptions of what she's doing. I think she's doing like DPs and stuff. (laughs) So people don't really take her seriously. And this Jaguar right looks like she's either mentally ill or has a drug problem. and And I'm like, okay, so- They haven't silenced these people because no one's going to believe them anyway. But then I heard another interview with Jaguar Wright about Rihanna and Chris Brown, and I just didn't, I didn't believe what she was saying. It was something about how, like, Jay-Z gave Rihanna herpes and then Rihanna, this I think this has actually been like a rumor in the hip-hop community for a long time as well. And then Rihanna gave... Chris Brown herpes, and he knew that it was from, I don't know, it was just like, no, now I think that Jaguar Wright is actually a crank, and I'm not sure how seriously I take her on her talking about, um, talking about Diddy being a murderer and all of this stuff, but, you know, it is a little sus what happened to Kim Porter, it wouldn't surprise me, Diddy is someone that's very well connected in both the elite like business world um but then also has connections to the streets and like gangsters and stuff so someone like that with that much money and connections in the streets and in sort of the world of the elites would be very dangerous the cassie thing is interesting because she played her cards really right with her lawsuit and people are saying is it a cash grab or not well of course it's a cash grab but things can be true and a cash grab you can be like this horrible thing happened to me and I'm going to make some fucking money off of it. So she played her cards all the right way, where she obviously had it leaked to the press that she was doing the lawsuit, maybe for her own safety as well. Um, But she got it out there, and then Diddy paid her off a lot of money, probably like $20 or something, to settle that lawsuit quietly, and now she's been paid off and she's gone away. And now everybody is coming out of the woodwork with their own lawsuits against everyone. Like, I was, I didn't make a list of it. I was going to if I was going to do this deeper, but I can't. I'm just freestyling it here. But literally, like, people are coming after not only Diddy, but, like, everybody else now with lawsuits of sexual harassment. And I think that these paydays are sort of going to dry up. Like, I think the, the people that are early on will get paid off, almost like Tiger Woods' mistresses. Like, Rachel Yucatel and a couple at the start got paid off, and then when, like, more kept coming out, it's like, okay, girl, bye. So, I think that's what's happening there. Um, 
Do I want to talk about anything else with them? I'm more interested in Cassie, honestly, as an artist, because I've said this before, but I was like the OG Cassie fan. She was one of the first ever artists to go viral. Back in the day, she went viral on MySpace with her song Me and You. That was produced by Ryan Leslie. That was a guy that she was dating. Uh, He was a producer. They met in a nightclub in New York. She cannot sing. She has no talent, but she is kind of like... To Diddy and to Ryan Leslie, she is like what Vanity was to Prince. If you don't know who Vanity is, Vanity was part of Vanity 6. She was beautiful. She was a model. Prince found her. I think she was working with Rick James at the time. Prince stole her from Rick James, made her his muse. He said that Vanity was the female version of himself. He created a girl group around her called Vanity 6. They had... um, what was their big hit song? I'm drawing a blank and I'm a huge Vanity fan. It wasn't Sex Shooter because that was Apollonia 6. It was, um, girl, I can't even remember. I'm a huge fan of them and I'm drawing a blank. But he made a girl group and then she was meant to be in Purple Rain, but uh, she didn't join and then she went off and did a solo career and I love her solo music. Actually, you know, uh, Erica Jane, Pretty Mess, she got that off Vanity because Pretty Mess was Vanity's thing and that was Vanity's solo single, which is amazing. And by the way, Cassie cannot touch Vanity. Vanity is like in a league of her own. Vanity is everything. Like if you even listen to Vanity's records, like all of the albums and like, you know, the B-sides and stuff, Even though she couldn't really sing, she does, like, really interesting, very, like, whimsical, odd things with her voice, whereas Cassie is more just, like, a sex robot, but because she's really beautiful, all of these guys make her their muse, and she's sort of, like, the vessel for their creativity. So, Ryan Leslie, very talented guy, produces a bunch of songs for her. Uh, He produced Just One Night, Amazing Song, Me and You, and a couple of others, uh, one called Kiss Me. Me and You goes crazy viral on MySpace. It leads to, like, honestly, like, one of the first social media viral songs. And I remember back in the day before Cassie even had a record deal, everyone that liked R&B music had, like, was burning Cassie's Me and You on, like, CDs and passing around and stuff. So Cassie then gets a deal with Diddy's Bad Boy Records. Diddy falls in love with Cassie, steals her from Ryan Leslie, Ryan Leslie can't really do shit about it. And now that I'm hearing all this stuff about Diddy, like when Kid Cudi, who is one of my favorite artists, actually, um, like one of my all timers, Kid Cudi was romantically interested in Cassie at one point, And then Diddy threatened to blow up his car. And then he literally did blow up his car. And that was the part of the lawsuit when I'm like, this is all true, 100%. Like, I believe everything in this fucking lawsuit that she was sex trafficked, that all of it, I believe it all. Um, Because he confirmed it. He said, yes, he blew up my fucking car. And I believe, I have faith in Kid Cudi. If Kid Cudi says it, I believe it. So, Diddy then cuts Ryan Leslie out of the picture, which goes on to hurt Cassie's music career because Cassie and Ryan Leslie just had this unique chemistry that neither of them ever were able to recreate. Cassie did go on to have still have some really good songs, but it just was never the same without Ryan Leslie. And then Cassie got into a position with Diddy where not only was she in this abusive relationship, like she was about 19 when she got with Diddy, one of the most powerful guys. And it's not like Cassie was just a naive fawn in the woods. Like, This is clearly a girl that wanted to be famous, that was going around with rappers and producers, first Ryan Leslie, then Diddy. Like, but you can still be 
you can still be a hoe looking for a come up and be abused and taken advantage of. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't have to be, like, mutually exclusive. Um, So then Diddy owns her as an artist and as a girlfriend, and he's known for not treating his artists very right. Like, he owned every part of her. So I do fully believe that he abused her. And one of the reasons that I believed the lawsuit when it came out is because I was, like, the original Cassie fan. Like, when I tell you guys... So, because people think that I'm, like, a fake contrarian on here. That's the, the criticism that I get all the time. He pretends to like whatever. Girl, I've always been like that. And with Cassie, I was the day one Cassie stan. And on my blog, I told you guys I used to have, like, an influential music blog. I was writing so hard for Cassie. I was like, she's the new vanity. Her music is so good. I'm like, she's doing things that, like these other girls are not doing, like, this is not the generic shit that these, like, mainstream top 40 R&B girls are doing, because, like, she has a lot of, like, really interesting songs and stuff. People, like, treated her as a joke, because in the hip-hop, like, the urban community, especially back then, it's all about vocals, and Cassie famously cannot sing. She has, like, a Latoya Jackson-level voice. Like, she's a really bad singer, so they didn't take her seriously, because they couldn't understand the artistry beyond... um the power of her voice. They could not look at it from a production standpoint. And then Cassie, uh, years after me championing her and going, I swear she's amazing. She actually became kind of like a, like she started getting all of this good press from like Pitchfork, from like the Guardian that were like doing articles about how like Cassie was this like slept on gem that was doing like the best urban pop music out there and like that it wasn't charting and she actually became this like critical darling and I'm like hello I was telling you from the start so everyone thinks that I'm like this fake contrarian I'm like no bitch I've been ahead of the game for like since I came out the womb okay and then since I got on the mic and since I got behind a blog and stuff like that's just my thing so whatever okay um and where was I going with her career anyway yeah so her career was so all over the place where, like, Cassie would come out with, like, an, an amazing record again and there would be, like, buzz about her and then she would just, like, disappear and then, like, her albums wouldn't get released and it's like, what's going on? And then she started getting all of this kind of, like, this press from, like, the music, like, the credible, like, music press started getting behind her and it's like, why isn't she capitalizing on that more? And at the time, I was thinking to myself, you know what? She is just more concerned with being a socialite and being Diddy's arm candy than she is about having a music career. And now I look at it and I'm like, no, they were actually in this crazy drug-fueled relationship where he was totally controlling and maybe he didn't want her to get that successful. I mean, I don't think she was ever going to be as big as, you know, she was never going to be like Beyonce or something like that, but... I did feel like maybe he doesn't want her out there that much. Maybe he doesn't want her going on promotional tours without him. He wants her around all the time. Like, he's very controlling. If he's controlling enough that he's going to blow up Kid Cudi's car, I don't think that he's going to let Cassie too far out of his sights. And I don't know. The whole thing's just kind of sad because I think Cassie... I mean, she does, look, she does have a great legacy of music from the stuff that she has released. She does have some, like, pretty bad stuff as well because at times they tried to, I think, mould her in different directions that did go down a more generic path. But her first album and then a smattering of the songs that she released over the years... Like, she did an electro song in, like, 2012 called King of Hearts 
that is so next level amazing. Again, it's another Galaxy Brain song that if you get it, you get it. If you don't, you don't. And that song, if maybe like a Rihanna or like a Britney Spears or something at the time had released it would have been so huge. I mean, King of Hearts was very lauded by like the music people at the time anyway, but it just like didn't work on the charts. And it's kind of a shame that we really could have had someone beyond a one-hit wonder in Cassie. We really could have had a modern-day vanity that maybe could have had a, a bigger career and done more films. Like Cassie was in a couple of movies, but nothing major. She was in like Step Up, no, Step Up 2, I think, and a few flops and then, I don't know, some like BT films or something. But anyway, shout out Cassie. I'm, I'm glad she's free. She's got a baby now, but she married some white guy and now she's 20 something million dollars richer. And, um, yeah, you should check out her music too because it's amazing. All right, that's my Cassie and Diddy thing. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. If you want more content, check me out on Patreon and it's patreon.com slash unpopularjp. And um, is that it? Yeah. Oh, I have some fun things coming up. I'll just tell you. So I was linking up with the former guests the other day in the DMs and uh, we're going to talk about aliens. So I'm going to do an alien episode. Maybe I shouldn't say that though, because then I'll feel the pressure to do an aliens episode and I'll like, won't want to do it just like I did with this Diddy thing. Anyway, guys, thanks. Bye.